Welcome to the Humans of the Hub podcast. Hub Coworking Hawaii is a co-working, meeting, and event space on Oahu. Since its founding, the Hub has served thousands of members and hundreds of companies. This podcast is about getting to know some of the entrepreneurs, freelancers, and remote workers who use the Hub as a base of operations. today by Josie Roselle, a humanist poet who writes poetry and creates surrealist collage artwork. She is the managing editor of Hawaii Review of Books. She previously worked as a caterer in catering at Oahu Country Club, general adventurer, writer, a host at The Hub. I'm super excited to chat with you today and learn a little bit more of your story because, as I told you, I was stalking you on LinkedIn before this, and you have done so many cool things. You ran a 100-mile orchard marathon by yourself. You um, have lived in Jakarta. You spent 50 days hiking across the South Island of New Zealand. Fascinating. I'm excited to have you on today. Thanks for uh, chatting with me, Josie. Thank you for doing your research, Alex. It's very, very kind of you. I don't know if those details should be included in a LinkedIn, but I certainly did include them. So I appreciate you for reading them. Thank you. Thanks for having a cool <laughs> LinkedIn. It's much better than mine. Um, so I wanted to start in a unique place here. One of the other things you mentioned on LinkedIn is that you have expressed the anal glands of French bulldogs. Tell me about that. Yeah. So my father is a he's a vet and a professor in the vet school at Kansas State University. He's a sheep lactation specialist, to be specific. Um, and I grew up, you know, helping him skin his cats for his dissection labs and, and just, you know, finding the spinal cords of cows and pretending like they're engagement rings, things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very comfortable around animals and around sort of the inside of animals, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Fast, kind of fast forward a while, I was in Hawaii, um, just moved here, worked for like a year and a half maybe in cafes and hostels, just trying to figure out what I'm doing and um, wanting to cycle around the world, um, but needing kind of a job and obviously coronavirus happened, so what do I do in the meantime? I don't want to work at cafes anymore, I want to do something a little bit more intellectual, I suppose, um, and something different, so I decided to be a vet technician because of that background. With my father, I knew that that's something that I could learn, um, something I would be comfortable with. I probably have some of the base skill sets in order to learn more. And yeah, it was great. Um, I worked there for a year and a half at Kalihi Pet Clinic, which is a fantastic, fantastic clinic. The really great veterinarian, Dr. Obara. Um, and he just approaches uh, a very hands-on. So, you know, my first day there, I got to assist with a C-section. So I'm holding sacks of puppies <laughs> and you know I'll be like okay this this puppy is enclosed in, in fluid and if I don't break it if I don't break open the fluid with my with my gloved hands it wasn't bare but gloved hands 
and tie its little placenta cord and you know suck the fluid out of its lungs with a little eyedropper then it might die you know that's that's kind of on me so um yeah i was really grateful that a doctor you know could you know could trust me with that kind of thing and yeah so french bulldogs there's a lot of them on the island there's a lot of fun facts about French Bulldogs, which probably don't pertain. And I could spend the whole 20 minutes talking about <laughs> French Bulldogs, to be fair. But they have anal glands, which are kind of located on the, like, 10 and 2 of the, of the rectum. And these are sacs that are very useful for dogs. Um, they express them on their own. It's a way for them to communicate scent and diet and whatever information they want to communicate to other dogs. And... Most dogs can express them on their own. Some dogs can't though. That's like a weird genetic flaw that's been passed down. So humans have to express them manually. Otherwise they get um, backed up or they get infected, something like this. And of course, French Bulldogs are the type of breed that typically you always have to express them, but you have to do it internally. You have to go in through the anus and you have to pinch the sacs from the inside because they don't have outside reachable anal sacs, <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Does it like, do you end up with French bulldog scent all over you at the end of that, or do you kind of aim it away? And yeah, so you, you definitely have to be careful of where you're looking, like where your face is. <laughs> um, with any, expressing any animal glands, you gotta be careful where you point that tail because people have got it shot in their eyes and like mouth and stuff. Mm, yeah. it, it was nice having masks on during the pandemic so that you could avoid the worst of it, but yeah, it's usually like this gooey thing on your glove and you just toss it away and you're like well yeah. nice and done and yeah I'm so glad way. I asked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um very cool that's a great <laughs> that's a great story I love it let's talk a little bit about mostly I've known you at the hub as a writer and this is something that you decided to do full-time uh, about the end of last year 2021 can you tell me a little bit about what led to that decision? Yes, so um, I went on a, a cycle tour from San Diego to Seattle in May of 2021, so a little more than a year ago. And um, this was kind of a compromise. I wanted to cycle around the world, but then I met my now husband. And I was like, I don't really want to be away for two years. I'll just do six months. And then COVID happened, and I was like, okay, well, i got to do something. So I can cycle across the U.S. I'll do that instead of the world. And it was great until I got hit by a car um, halfway. Did I tell you about that? No. Yeah. So I got hit by a car oh just south of the Oregon border um, from, from behind. The guy hit me at 60 miles an hour. Oh, and uh, I was on the Redwood Highway, so it was quite like steep, steep drops on sure. either side, and I was just perfectly fine. I was perfectly fine. He hit wow. me from behind. Um, I like smashed his windshield. My bike went underneath the car and messed up his car. He he, he didn't really stop. I kind of my bike made him stop, which I think is why I was fine because um, when I hit the ground, I was only going maybe five or ten miles an hour, as opposed to someone hits you, you're now going their speed, and then they stop, they go zero, so you hit the ground at whatever speed they used to be going. So yeah, I just had some bruised knees and like a bruised heel, and I went to the hospital and got all the checks and whatever, and they're like, yeah, you're okay, you're just a little stiff. So I had to come back and um, get a new bike and you know save up a little bit more money. I worked at the vet clinic again. Um, and then went back out and finished it and it was great and I'm, I'm really grateful for that experience I'm almost as a writer I'm almost more grateful that I got hit by a car because it makes the story a little bit more exciting 
you know, um, but a negative consequence of that was that I did have like PTSD um, and that manifested into kind of a lot of scary things that I've never experienced before. And so, um, yeah, when I finished in September, came back the next weekend, got married, then my parents came to visit, then there's all these like events happening really quickly. There was change at the clinic. Um, we had a lot of new people come in who were very experienced and um, since they hadn't worked with me before, they assumed that I was new, even though I had worked there for a year, a little more than a year. And so that was just really threatening in this PTSD environment. Um, so I quit <laughs> because everything had to go. And so then, yeah, basically I had nothing but, but writing left. So I just kind of like clung to that for a long time and then like dug myself out of this hole and got therapy and, and doing much better. Writing is definitely a very therapeutic process. I've written about the experience a lot. So that helps. <laughs> transition yeah tell me about what kind of first of all that's impressive that you went back and finished the ride after that that's awesome um, but tell me a little bit about like what kind of writing specifically do you do yeah so I started a blog when I was in freshman of college 2014 um, and I just started writing about whatever I saw around me I listened to a lot of ultra marathon podcasts where they talk about oh how to suffer and how to you know etc things that really inspired me and I had thoughts on um, and so I would write about you know like human motivation and endurance and all the all the dreams that I had in the future of how to make that happen um, and reviews about my favorite adventurers and that kind of thing so I started mostly with creative nonfiction and then um, moved towards poetry when I went to a George Saunders poetry reading event. He's the author of Lincoln and the Bardo and he has such a way of of just like I don't know just an atmosphere about him that really inspired me and I just started writing poetry and I just kind of didn't stop. Um, the reason why I still write poetry is well first of all poetry begets poetry so the more you read poetry the more you kind of want to. That's why there's so much of it and you're like oh surely everything in the world has been compared to everything else but there's something, there's just, there's something else out there. So I write poetry as a way to um, learn, learn the English language like very intimately and concisely in order to convey certain ideas concisely because I, I want to be a creative nonfiction writer in the future. I want to write about adventures and um, these kinds of things. But I feel like right now I can justify being a poet because it's going to make me a better all around writer. Awesome. So, Articulated Soul, a book of poetry that you self-published, I believe, mm -hmm. in 2021, came out. Uh, where, where can people find that? So if you just Google Articulated Soul, it's the first thing that comes up. Too easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and forthcoming, mm -hmm. I think soon, is Deep Breath. Where can people find that? Um, they can find that through my website, which is thehydrogenjukebox.com. Um, it's going to be published by a Kansas City-based publisher called Ambitious Storytellers. Um, so you can find it on their website as well, Ambitious, Story, Ambitious Storytellers LLC, I believe, or .com, something like this. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this book is uh, American Sonnets and Collages. My first book was sort of blank verse, um, not specific form, but the first book was about the five different places where I've lived and have written poetry there. So this one is... Um, yeah, American Sonnets, and we can talk about that if you want. Sure. What okay. can you define for me, since it's been a little while since I took a high school English class, what makes a sonnet an American sonnet? Yeah, I don't know if you'd find that question, uh, that answer in your high school English class. I think it's a pretty, 
I don't know, niche, niche form that's kind of in the undercurrent. It's, it's sort of like a technicality, um, I would say, if anything. It's not like a real, a real specific thing, but it doesn't mean qualify. American qualifies the sonnet. So if you think about the traditional sonnet, you think, okay, Shakespeare, maybe Petrarch, like the Italian sonnets. And um, basically the point of a sonnet, which I came to realize while I was cycling actually, just with so much time to think about everything. Um, the point of a sonnet is to um, express contemplation. So how long does it take to consider something, connect to something and conclude something? It takes 14 lines. Like they found, mm. they found the, the formula for it. And so American sonnets are specifically, you know, expressing contemplation within American consciousness, I'd say. You know, if, if poetry is the act of, you know, the poet reaches their consciousness now and the reader's consciousness shakes hands, you know, and it's like this holy encounter, um, then the American part of it is like the American consciousness, which to me is like, a, you know, a love of freedom, a love of freedom, this like curiosity, but also kind of a, a young naivete, naivete. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah, oh, that was good. That was good. Um, in my mind, America is kind of the younger sibling of the world, um, who has just recently grown into their body, realized that oh wow, I'm tall now and I'm strong, and maybe I can beat up my older brothers and demonstrate my powers and stuff. So um, that's kind of expressed in in this book as well. That sort of like younger sibling. You know, just desire to be your own person, but also knowing that you're kind of judged based on your context. Interesting. And can you talk a little bit more about like what the theme, so the first articulated soul you're writing about, the places that you've been, is there more of a unifying theme for deep breath? Like yeah, um, it's based in the idea of the title, like the deep breath. So um, first of all, deep breath as, okay, you know, when you're like thinking about something, you want to clear your mind to let in one single thought, you take a deep breath, you just clear your mind. So um, it's kind of that, that deep breath flows throughout, um, throughout the book and in, in many poems, it's, you know, okay, reminding you, okay, take, take a step back, like take a deep breath. Um, it's, it's rooted in, in the fact that these all were written in America. Um, so I guess that's also a unifying factor, is like the place is America. Um, this, there's three sections, because um, I found that sectioning a book of poetry is a really effective way to reach a broader audience. Um, people who don't necessarily read a lot of poetry books can be a little bit daunted by the fact that, oh yeah, he's, he's like 90 pages of just, it doesn't seem categorized, you know, from our, our, our novel minds. Um, so I find that this really helps for me to reach a broader audience. Um, the first category is ocean. So these are ocean poems. These are poems dealing with the fluidity of life and, and trying to like figure out, you know, the scales and the balancing and the flow. Um, the second one is earth. Um, these are based on being grounded, being connected to each other and to other people. And then last is space. Um, you know, kind of more existential questions like what's what's next, what's left, what's more, you know. Um, and the idea of these three sections is that, you know, if you take a deep breath, you go from the ocean all the way to space. So it's like this big, you know, full encounter experience. And then in each section there's collages that, that accompanying and heighten different elements of, of poems and connect um, the poems together. The collages work as a way to guide the reader through the blank space between each each poem as opposed to 
this collage goes with this poem and this one and this one. So. Right, got it. Mm -hmm. So self-published your first one mm -hmm. and found a publisher for your second book. Can you tell me, we've talked a little bit about this before, but can you share what you learned through the self-publishing process and why you chose to find a, a publisher for the second one? Yeah, great question. Um, so with self-publishing, you get full creative control. You know, you get to decide when the book is done, you get to decide the font, the cover, you can decide everything of it. Um, and I, I quite liked that. Um, my goal for my first book was to kind of knit in this idea that my identity as a writer a little bit further. You know, what do writers do? They publish, they publish books. Okay, so that little voice that talks to you in the middle of the night that says, oh, you're not a writer, you know? How do you combat that? You say, well, I've written, you know, I've written a book and that helps. So that was kind of my idea for it. I didn't, I didn't mean for it to be anything like earth shattering or whatever. I didn't do a lot of marketing for it. I kind of mm -hmm. just wanted to to have the experience of publishing a book and see, you know, what that's like, if that's something I'm interested in. Um, in, in the future, to pr and also as a way to, um, you know, give myself a little bit of pressure. Like these poems aren't just going to go to a magazine. You know, they're going to be published in a book. So I, I need to take it five or six drafts farther than I would otherwise. Um, so that was a really good. That was a good experience, and it, it was actually very beneficial. Um, like it, it actually ended up working better than I thought it was going to. It was kind of an experiment, but it, it worked out well. It was it was purchased by a high school musical <laughs> to be on their set, which is a very random fun fact about it. Um, other than that, it didn't receive very much attention. It was a it was a blurb staff pick, which was cool. Um, so yeah, but it was mostly just a good experience. Yeah, awesome. Let's talk a little bit about The Hub. You've been a host here now since late last year. What do you enjoy about hosting here about working out of the space, any you know favorite memories or, or just things that you generally enjoy about the, the co-working community? Yeah, I, I really like the hub. I'm very, very much pro, pro hub co-working Hawaii.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like as, as a host, it's such a, it's a nice way to belong to a community um, of people you have you know something in common with, which is that you're all working professionals are trying to work professionally or finding a job or something. Um, so I really love the aspect of belonging here. Um, Annette and Josh and Nam make it, and the other hosts make it almost incentivized to belong, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to belong here, um, going with a, just taking a little bit of effort and stuff. And so that's, re that's really nice. Um, it's like being part of a, a big, gigantic social club in, in university that I quite like. Um, I like the events that are coming back. Um, you know, I started in November, so at that time there was still like the kind of COVID era, well, just still going on, but no events kind of thing. So they're trickling back. And um, one time we did the KK, Kiki, KK, K yeah, Kiki and Plow, Kiki and, yeah. Kiki and Plow, where we volunteered at a farm. Um, just a Saturday morning, just a bunch of people from the hub and. Just got to be outside and at the base of Cocoa Head and working together and, and doing something useful that we all kind of enjoyed um, and getting to talk and stuff and that was really nice. Just little ways to, to give back into a community but also to get to know the people that you're working on the island with. So um, yeah, I, I really like this place a lot. 
Any favorite spots to grab a quick coffee or grab a bite to eat while you're here in the neighborhood? Well, it's hard not to say Whole Foods, which is a very <laughs> dominating member of the neighborhood. Um, and yeah, to be honest, I've only eaten there so far. I'm, I'm very much a bring your lunch to school kid, you know, yes. even if that's like half a bag of filmy carrots or whatever. Um, but yeah, but there's some good coffee there. There's good coffee here too. Um, I guess there's coffee shops around. There's the ocean. You just go, go <laughs> right. fish if you need, you know? <laughs> Love it. Get in a surf, catch your lunch, yeah. right? Go spear fishing, come back, cook it up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there is a little wet toaster up yeah. there in the kitchen or something, right? <laughs> um, sad, sad news for us at the Hub, but great news for you. So bittersweet, I suppose. You are leaving us at the end of July. Tell us about what's next for you. Yeah, so my, my husband is German, he's a German citizen, and when we got married we kind of decided not to go for the green card option, so we could travel and, and leave the States. Um, so we're going to move to Germany. He is going to work as a water engineer in a wastewater treatment company, and I'm going to get my master's in North American studies from post-colonial literature aspect, because kind of my next steps with writing, um, I see it twofold, I see my path splitting. Um, I, you know, first of all, I want to go on the adventure route. Um, I want to accompany the last Greek nomadic shepherds as they take their nomadic voyage, and I want to document that and, you know, just see what that's like and learn the culture. And I want to go work at um, the McMurdo base in Antarctica, and I want to write about that. Um, and I want to mostly empower other women to do adventures because you know, there's so many women out there who have done solo epic adventures, like Dervla Murphy, who cycled in, she cycled from Ireland to South Africa in like the 60s, 1960s, by herself as a woman. Fiona Campbell, who walked around the world by herself as a woman. Um, Robin Davidson, who crossed the entire, um, the outback of Australia by herself in the 70s or 80s. Just there's so many fantastic women who do these amazing things by themselves, and yet everyone's like, oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> Don't do that. So I, I just want to continue to empower females to know that there's other options besides just staying at home or like playing it safe or whatever. And then the second option is I want to, um, I want to use literature as a way to empower like politically depressed or historically subjugated communities to write their own literature. Do you know what I mean? Like right. it's a sad fact of life, but like many Maori people in New Zealand, many native Hawaiians here, they don't have time or resources to write their own literature, you know, and that's something that I can help with. Um, I'm not here to write their literature for them or to, I don't know, do something equally <laughs> not helpful, but to, to learn how to encourage people to write their own literature. So that's, that's why the post-colonial lens is going to be very helpful and touch out to literature. I love it. I could talk to you all day, Josie, but I know we need to wrap up. I'll definitely be following along with your adventures and your work, uh, thehydrogenjukebox.com and josie.goes.to.collage on Instagram. Anywhere else? <laughs> Those no. are the places? That's it. There you go. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Josie. Much appreciated. Thank you, Alex.